Welcome to the Political R&D Podcast. After you've finished listening, we would really appreciate you taking the time to give us a rating on iTunes and Google Play to help other listeners find our podcast. We are taking Political R&D to the next level. Podcasts will be more frequent, and we are also inviting more writers to share their views of politics in Alberta, Canada, and the world. We'd love it if you would become a patron of the show. Your support will help us improve, increase, and pay for the content you enjoy. You can find us on Patreon at PoliticalRND or link from our website, politicalrnd.ca. Now, let's get political. I'm like a lot of little pricks across the prairies, a wild rose, Robbie Kriegersmith. Would a wild rose by any other name smell as sweet? Deirdre Mitchell McLean. And this is the Political R&D Podcast. Hi, Deirdre. Hello, Robbie. Exciting news in your world today? Very exciting news. I mean, exciting for the whole of Alberta, really. Yeah. The wild rose is back. Back, back, back again. <laughs> I am I am actually, as I started to think about it more and more, I was kind of like, you know, this could be a real, oh, let's just pun the whole thing up, thorn in Jason Kenny's side. <laughs> yeah, it, it could, but people also thought that of the Freedom Conservative Party, maybe, although um, you're closer to DFib than I am. Does he have aspirations to lead the ass white? I mean, WIPA party. <laughs> WIPA, it's WIPA. Uh, <laughs> it's WIPA. Must WIPA it, WIPA it good. <laughs> I honestly, I don't know. It wasn't something that uh, that was brought up in any of the conversations today. Uh, does he still support the Freedom Conservative Party? Absolutely. It's, it's still his goal to have uh, a strong, independence-focused political party in Alberta. Mm-hmm. So I would, I would say that for sure, whether or not he has any intention to run for said party, no idea. But pushing Wexit and FCP together um, and getting rid of the name Wexit fantastic right (laughs) for them (laughs) for them oh yeah yeah now whether or not they're going to get to keep the wild rose name is another question yeah because the wild rose party still legally exists under leader jason kenny yes yeah with elections alberta he's uh the registered leader of the wild rose party I wish that I had checked into this just a tad because, you know, having a progressive conservative party and a united conservative party were two totally different things, but they both had the name conservative in them, right? Mm -hmm. They wouldn't, Wild Rose is not such a, it's not such a unique name that they would technically have the trademark itself. So, and it's, Um, it's called Wild Rose Independence Party of Alberta. So, you know, there's a few extra words in there. 
Yeah, it's a real unfortunate acronym. And I made a tweet about this. Like, do the conservatives not think to run by somebody outside of their bubble or in the normal world, these acronyms? Like you had the CRAP party, the Conservative Reform Alliance party. Yes. You had uh, UCP, mm-hmm. which for some reason has stuck. And now the WIPA party. I know they're saying it WIPA, but... I prefer... Well, no, no. I prefer Chandler Bing's WIPA! <laughs> we need to release a gif of you doing that, doing no. that because <laughs> WIPA! <laughs> that was wonderful. There may have been a lot of additional movement in that. <laughs> it was... It, it speaks. Um, is, there, is there a little goose in your OJ right now? <laughs> no, I'm eating dinner. Uh, <laughs> it... No, so I'm, I'm, um, you know, at first I was kind of thinking, does this help? I mean, obviously there were far, far too many parties on the right in Alberta and, Mm -hmm. and those smaller ones that were really, you know, supposedly to the right of the UCP. And one of the things like we talked about, Mark and I talked about this with, uh, Max Fawcett from more the what do progressives potentially need to do? And we originally started off with the question of, could Alberta go further right in their government than Jason Kenney? And at the time we were saying, uh, you know, that's just, I can't see that being possible. But were we really considering the parties that were sitting on the right of the UCP? I think based on the last election, no. But it's really going to be interesting to see what winds up happening post-COVID. If the federal government really steps forward and does a lot to support Alberta and emerging from the recession and or depression, I know there's not an actual academic definition of that, but you know, it's depending upon how long this drags out, it could be really bad. And Mm -hmm. if the feds really do step up, I'll be curious to see whether or not that neuters any appetite for separation. Um, yeah, it's, it's hard to say because, you know, that's the one thing that the UCP under Jason Kenney really did to motivate voters is rail against Ottawa and right. rail against quote unquote, the establishment. And I mean, for all intents and purposes, the Federation in Canada, but mm-hmm. um if the feds are doing a lot to support Alberta and helping us out, does that make Kenny kind of lame duck? I mean, I I thought he's been lame for over a year, but that's such a nuanced question too, because, because you have a, a federal government who purchased a pipeline for Alberta to be able to get their oil. So, to... No, no. So they could cancel it because they hate the oil sands. Right. Right. Okay. And we're in Alberta. <laughs> but the thing was there were no accolades there was no there was it was just silence that day Mm -hmm. right we got we got the news it was done I was on Twitter I'm looking for something anything nothing there was just nothing and I was like are you kidding me so you know it's it's kind of an interesting um thing that we have here in Alberta where it doesn't matter what the federal government does because no one, sorry, because 70 some percent of Albertans will never say I'm glad Trudeau did 
this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's just, that's a sentence that you just aren't going to hear. No, that's for sure. The one thing I've noticed lately, though, is that the Wexit crew up until today has been very quiet. Right? Um, <laughs> like they've been cashing their $2,000 checks with glee and spending <laughs> them and not agitating for separatism lately, no. which has been a silver lining of COVID. <laughs> I guess there is that, right? Yeah. But but exactly that. I mean, we haven't heard anyone and and you'd think that this movement would be a little bit louder on on social media. You haven't heard anyone saying we don't need the feds to bail out our oil. We can do it on our own. They would never. <laughs> uh there's there's no march, there's no protesting against uh federal bailout, that's for sure. So <laughs> And and so possibly, I mean, this does also offer an opportunity for Wexit to rebrand itself because, th- I mean, as much as we might want to say that the Crap Party and and UCP are just horrible, horrible names, Wexit is awful. Like it's just really, what is what is a Wexit? It's a West Exit. <laughs> it's the same as a Brexit. <laughs> Okay, but it's a Brangelina eyes. It's just, it's, it's wrong. It's wrong. Yeah. It's just wrong. <laughs> Although West Exit does make more sense. Did you not know that? <laughs> I always thought that it was like, we exit. And I was like... Oh, you're so pretty, Jenny. <laughs> I'm good at other things. You are. <laughs> yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. But yeah, I was really looking forward to a convoy to Ottawa to tell them, keep your money. We don't need it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, stay at home orders and all. Um, (laughs) (laughs) There's, there's laws. Uh, So what do you see in my feed? The only story that I was seeing moving today was the one that came out of Western standard. I did not see anything by any other media outlet. I didn't see anything really either. Um, as far as it pertains to WIPA. <laughs> WIPA! <laughs> well, I can't whip my hair back and forth as good as you can, so. Did you watch Chandler Bing do it? It's a physical event, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, as you were saying. Yeah, no, that's all I got. So because we were the only ones to pick that up today, and now granted, you know, I, I also thought that it was... I thought it was interesting timing, and one may say that, uh, that of course, Jason Kenney would be heading up to Fort McMurray, where they are flooding right now, mm-hmm. um, although having more people on the ground in a flood zone doesn't seem to me like a good idea, safety-wise, but he got some, he was definitely in front of a camera, him, Jason Nixon, uh, Layla Goodrich was there, the mayor of Fort McMurray. His last name is Scott or is his first name Scott? (laughs) He was there. And there was also some other guy that seemed to be standing in the water a little bit. (laughs) It was just kind of a weird shot. You're like, is he, is he in the water? Some random newfie. So uh, (laughs) Don Scott is the mayor of Wood Buffalo Ah, because Fort McMurray is not actually a city. That's right. Yeah. It's Wood Buffalo. So um, Jason Nixon, Tani Yao and Layla Goodridge, obviously Tani and Layla. Tani was in the water. 
<laughs> you gotta see the video. It's like, why is that guy? Is he standing in the water? <laughs> um, oh boy! <laughs> so he was. So Kenny was up in in Fort Mac, telling us about the uh, the ice breakup. Which I don't know. It's. I'm not sure if I'm not sure if Kenny was correct, or sorry, if Jason Nixon was correct when he said it was 25 kilometers of of ice breaking up. Or if Jason Kenny was correct when he said twenty five thousand kilometers of ice breaking up. There's no way it's twenty five thousand kilometers. <laughs> that's halfway around the world. <laughs> I'm sitting there like, is that is, is yeah. that right? <laughs> that yeah. might even be like, yeah, I think it's like half the circumference of the earth. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so well, I'm glad we got that figured out. Um, but yes, yeah, so so Kenny was up there, and did you see the article today? Uh, the polling that Jason Kenny had commissioned. Did you see that? I did not. Did you know Admittedly, that I I, I've been tuned out today. So <laughs> Okay. So uh, apparently Jason Kenny did uh, commission some polling and he has, um, they were, they were really looking for COVID response and uh you know, how people think the government is doing. And it was interesting because people think that the Kenny government is doing well. They think the government is doing the right things when it comes to responses. But when Jason Kenny is part of the question, apparently people like it a lot less. So he commissioned this poll and he released those results? Uh, no, Don Braid was actually, he said oh. that, he'd, that he'd gotten a hold of this. He talked, to, um, he talked to somebody else as well. So it was, so uh, the Kenny government hired uh, a company called Yorkville to actually do the polling. And people are really happy that uh, Alberta has increased the amount of testing that we're doing. Uh, that's 92%. Encouraging the use of masks in crowded places like grocery stores is 76%. Strict enforcement of quarantine orders by using smartphone technology, 69% in favor. Uh, voluntary use of tracing technology, including cell phone data, 66% of Albertans are, are in favor of that. And 54% of Albertans approve mandatory use of tracing with cell phone data which was kind of weird. So, yes, it's kind of weird, but do you think that this is a case of economics trumping privacy and freedom? Well, or sacrificing yes. a bit of freedom to get a lot of freedom? Yes, and that was, that was kind of a... One of the big things that came out of this particular poll was that, um, was that Albertans are more... And actually, this... I don't, this one doesn't sit that well with me, but Albertans are more concerned about the economy than they are about COVID, which is not really surprising. However, um, only 30% of Albertans are worried that they might become sick and only 45% are concerned their friends or family could get sick, which seems to me like a very low number of people that might give a damn about their grandparents or parents, which is weird to me. I, I think that number seems really low, really low. Eh, Albertans are kind of selfish <laughs> at times. But yeah, Who cares so if grandma's <laughs> dead as long as I get to go quadding, eh? 
well, and it's like the, the whole work thing. And this is like, this is something that, um, I am starting to, I'm starting to pay a little bit more attention to is what the economy looks like afterwards, Mm -hmm. because there's going to be a lot of, I think there's going to be a lot of boardrooms that are looking at whether or not they need to continue doing things the way that they had been doing things or whether or not they're going to switch over to a different model, such as Mm -hmm. more people working from home. Um, there's a, like, there is potential, I believe, for, uh, what were, there was an article not that long ago and I can, it's not going to come to me who wrote it, but it was talking about how there could be a number of people who will not actually be invited back to their jobs just because of the fact that, you know, before all of this, there were maybe additional workers that they didn't necessarily need, but, you know, and now they just might not get invited back. So there's a lot of things that very well could change this whole technology thing. Um, I was reading something else. People were saying things like, you know, what is, what is essential travel for me that I need to go on an airplane when we all use zoom now? Yeah. So like, what does this do to a lot of industries? Yeah. Well, I've said this before, um, including on the podcast, but I think that this is going to fundamentally change everything about politics, about our economy, about work, childcare, like everything is going to be different. So going back to where we started, does this new economy favor a more uh, liberty, personal liberty conscious government? I don't think so. I think it actually, I think that what you're going to see is a move towards a more collectivist approach where you see something like there's no question taxes are going to be higher we're going to have to pay this debt back at some point. You just simply can't cut $200 billion or $250 billion worth of spending. <laughs> well, and in just spending. Poof, go on. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. so, so that's the first stark reality that people are going to be faced with is that taxes are going to have to go up and sources revenues are going to need to be expanded. Um, the other piece is that just from a medical or science standpoint, we don't know for sure yet whether or not you have immunity once you've been infected once. Mm -hmm. And there's reports of people who have tested positive, recovered, tested negative, and then test positive again. And so they're still researching to find out whether or not that's a case of the virus staying dormant and reactivating like say shingles, Mm -hmm. or whether it's a case of you could be reinfected. Um, in either case, it's not good news because it means that some form of social distancing is going to be required and some level of lockdowns are going to be required, not necessarily on a global scale or even a national scale, but where you get hot spots until such time as an effective treatment, herd immunity occurs, or you've got a vaccine. Mm-hmm. Well, and if herd immunity only lasts, um, there is a special on Netflix, Coronavirus Explained. There's only one episode in just yet. It's a limited series, but 
it was kind of saying here's like here's these four coronaviruses that we you know know quite a lot about and the immunity that people get once they've had that particular one so mm-hmm. common cold and things like that um, once you get over that for that one cold you're very unlikely to get that particular strain you're not going to get that one again right away very a unlikely strain. it's, it's yeah. a different strain um so they don't know about SARS, MERS, or uh, COVID-19. And again, you know, because they're newer and they've had less experience with them. However, I did read something really exciting about uh, the Jenner Institute in Oxford has, uh, they were actually working on a vaccine for a coronavirus, not this one, but they did find one that was harmless to humans. So they know that it's, that it's not going to hurt anyone. And so they were actually a fair bit ahead when this all happened. And they uh, just finished a trial with uh, monkeys and the virus, or sorry, and the vaccine is showing to work. Mm. So that they are, they're way ahead of, of everybody else, apparently. And they are starting human trials right away 6000 people and they expect to be finished with those by summer and very possibly because they they're using this initial um vaccine that they had for a different virus uh or sorry yeah a different coronavirus but still a coronavirus they are really uh they're really hopeful that they will actually be able to start production of a vaccine in September Oh, fingers crossed. That would be great. Yeah, which is way, like, that's a year, that's a, that's a full year earlier than what we thought we might mm-hmm. have access to. Well, if not, we can always try injecting bleach or <gasps> ultraviolet no, light. don't do that. Or, or the Alberta version, <laughs> bitumen. Oh, oh. Guaranteed to kill coronavirus <laughs> on contact. Just, just, I mean, sit out, sit out in the sun if you need some ultraviolet yeah. rays. But back to your original <laughs> question. Um, I think that what's going to happen uh, is that you're going to see a more collectivist approach. And in order to respond effectively to these hotspots popping up, what's going to need to occur is there is going to need to be some sort of technological tracing that occurs. Um, There's also going to need to be a strong social safety net because if the city of Edmonton all of a sudden has a thousand outbreaks or a thousand cases and you've got to lock down the city for 28 days, those people need to live. Right. And so, so those are the things that I've seen. I haven't seen a credible proposal or solution from uh, what would be more freedom orientated or conservative ideological approach. Mm -hmm. And if you think about most of the responses that we have seen, I mean, for all intents and purposes, we have a basic income now. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, public health, I think that the role that public health, doctors, nurses, long-term care, I think there's going to be a really big evaluation about the value we place on that. Mm-hmm. Actually, and- that, was, that was another thing found in some of the polling that uh, the thing that, that really bothers Albertans right now about the... Uh, Kenny government has to do with Shandro mm-hmm. and the doctors. It's only a matter of time until he's gone. And he's I know gonna, we're, he's just going to be moved over. That's all. Yeah. 
<laughs> it, it's going to be a big demotion if he goes, and I'd be, I would be shocked if he didn't wind up on the back benches. He's bungled this thing so bad. Um, and I know we're far digressing from the original topic, <laughs> but uh, Donna Kennedy Glanz, who ran for the PC leadership yes. against Jason Kenney, but dropped out early on because she didn't feel that there was space for a diversity of viewpoints. Um, but mm-hmm. then she got behind the UCP because she said that she wanted to try and push it to be progressive from the inside. Transition, um, yeah. Yeah, and we did. She was on the transition team for the government. She's also a part of the Fair Deal panel, and she's and, also a director of the BAMP Center. Mm-hmm. So, caught my attention earlier this morning. She had posted a blog post, um, basically shredding Tyler Shandro for the job that he's done in handling this whole thing. And it's important to know that she's known Chandra for a long time because he was a part of the provincial board of the Progressive Conservative Party. Mm-hmm. And so they've got fairly deep running connections. So to have an insider like that going against the health minister, like she's she's pretty close to the premier and she's a part of the inner circle. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was really quite remarkable that she would write something like that. Um, and I'm paraphrasing here, but she basically basically equated it to putting a bandage on a bullet hole. <laughs> and, oh. uh, um, so it, Point it, taken. yeah, it wasn't very good. And then when you think about um, Licia Corbella, who has quite roundly been criticized as being essentially uh Uh, talking head for the UCP Mm -hmm. embedded within the Calgary Herald. And in fact, it was revealed during the election, she had a membership in the UCP, which is a big no-no. So when you've got two people that are essentially boosters for the United Conservative Party and have been quite strong defenders of it, um, to take that turn, that's not a good sign when you're insiders and your boosters and supporters start talking that way and doing it very publicly. Mm-hmm. Um, there was another piece by Donna, and I'll put this out on the political R&D Twitter, but basically saying Alberta's lost the war against environmentalists and the anti-oil groups, and it's time that we start thinking about a transition. And mm-hmm. This wasn't after Kenny's little temper tantrum meltdown when a reporter asked oh, him about was, a Green New Deal. <laughs> this is about three weeks ago. Yeah. And um, yeah. And so Donna in her piece says, God help us all if Minister Shandro still believes he's on the right track. <laughs> Just like, yeah. It, okay. Uh, and it has that, that whole thing has just been, it's been bungled so much. And even on Friday when he was kind of walking back all of these things and no, okay, this isn't going to happen now. And uh, like with the, with the remote and rural Northern Northern program, RRN. Yeah. um, With, you know, that's, that's an incentive to get doctors to go to rural areas. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there was that uh, Alberta health put out a document that apparently was missing, was missing 141, was it 141 communities it was missing? It wasn't missing that many. Okay, so it was missing 141 uh, communities. And it was, it was weird, because like, when I was looking at it, I'm like, okay, I can see maybe where you've decided Strathmore is no longer rural. 
weird. Mm. I mean, we're, we're still rural. But Cars Land, which is 25 minutes south of, uh, of us, really rural. Mm-hmm. You know, like, um, so it was, it was just kind of weird to look at these communities that were no longer part of, supposedly part of rural. And yeah, so then he had to, then he had to issue another statement saying, you know, whoops, this came out with incorrect information. Yeah. Like it's just, but it's just, it's so constant. Well, and the thing is, is that his response and the ministry's quote unquote response has been that that was a clerical error. But here's the thing that really kind of makes my spidey senses tingle is that those RRNP communities and practices are assigned a score. Basically, it's almost like a Google walkability score, like how how remote you are from a major urban center, what your population is, your demographics, that type of stuff, and it assigns you a score. And the lower your score, the closer you are, less rural you are. And those 140 communities, 141 communities were all below 5.1. So what that tells you is there was an arbitrary cutoff line that was utilized when they were formulating that list for the updated bulletin. And it like, you could understand if the, if it was like Fort Mackay and Strathmore, Mm -hmm. but when there's this like solid line of scores that, quite transparently hasn't made the cut (laughs) that's not an oops that's a systemic we're gonna stop it here and the ucp has done this they've it's kind of like trial balloons they put out their things and see what gets backlash and if it gets enough backlash oh it was an honest mistake like you're a year into your government the time for honest mistakes is over and like it's one of two things and i've said this on the twitter is that either you're incompetent or you have contempt for the doctors and the people of Alberta and think that we're fucking stupid. Uh, And I think it's a bit of both. And it's, it's certainly a, a, a debate to have on what that is. I don't know that you can prove it. You need the smoking gun, the memo that went out saying, let's try it and see, Hmm. (laughs) which I'm sure that it would exist in all honesty. The thing I learned (laughs) with the NDP government you know, after two, three years, the civil servants start getting a little restless and don't like the direction. <laughs> little brown envelopes start showing up, whether it's on Twitter or, you know, you get this random account that follows you that has two followers and joined Twitter 20 minutes ago and they send you like chains of emails. Right. <laughs> yes. Yes, I do remember. Which is how I found out about Derek Fildebrand's expense scandal and we shared that with the media. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, the little brown envelopes. Isn't there actually an account called AB Ledge Brown Envelope? Probably. Yeah. yeah. I remember that now. Um, okay. Yeah, so so okay. I don't think he's long for the world. <laughs> if it wasn't the midst of a crisis, he's become too much of a distraction. And my guess is that there'll be a cabinet shuffle probably in the fall. Oh yeah. yeah. There definitely has to be a cabinet shuffle. Um Okay, so then before we finish, so you're going to say that there's going to be less appetite for a separatist party, independent Alberta type uh, narrative messaging in 2023 than there was the first, than there was this last time? Depending upon the response from the feds. Okay. We we already... 
Yeah. We already know Jason Kenny doesn't give a shit about Albertans. <laughs> All he cares about is his donors. So if the feds step up to the plate and sink billions of dollars into Alberta and things are looking pretty decent, um, or conversely, if things are really shitty and we're still having to lock down periodically and things aren't going great, you're not going to risk putting in a government that wants to like, what does the conservative party offer that would help us in this crisis? They're like, even in the height of the crisis, they're talking about how much debt we're running up and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, wanting to be in parliament five days a week. And like their priorities are so disconnected from what everyday people need and want in their lives. People don't want more politics. They don't want more sittings of parliament or the legislature. They want to find a cure for this. They want investment in technology and research to get us past this. And then they want investment in the economy so they can get back to jobs. Mm -hmm. And the conservative party, no conservative party, and certainly not a libertarian party is going to offer. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. And it'll also be interesting to see how long it takes mainstream media to pick up on this story and whether or not Mm. they will, because media, they do tell a story. Yep. They do shape a narrative. And if no one is willing to talk about it, well, then I guess Derek's going to find a really solid reason for uh, the Western standard. Mm hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, and those of us who are like, did you know this is going on? <laughs> yeah. Vert- vertical integration. <laughs> right. That's what he's going for, right? Yeah. Um, just awesome. one note. Uh, for- we talked about Fort McMurray is flooding. Um, yes. Brian Jean, former leader of the Wild Rose Party, lost his home in the Fort McMurray fires, mm-hmm. um, has lost his home again in the flood. Are you so, kidding? Yeah. Just saw that come across. And so obviously our thoughts are with the people of Fort McMurray and we hope that uh, they get all the help that they need and for sure for god's sake stop building on the floodplain (laughs) yeah yeah we need to we definitely need to do something different yeah for sure so okay well thanks robbie thank you the political r&d podcast is available wherever you get your podcast and you can follow us on facebook and twitter at political r&d